Hello, dear listener. This is The Optimist in Revolt. Excited uh, to talk to my guest this week. Uh, we we've spoke we've spoken recently, but before that we did not speak for a very long time. Um, my guest this week is Morgan Manifissier, who is a French tenor, which is not some sort of specialized position, but is rather a statement of the fact that he is both from France and a professional tenor. Uh, he's currently doing a series of online recitals with. Corinne Penner? Penner? Penner, yeah, that's right. Penner, okay. Uh, and is active with the Stony Brook Opera. Uh, I've known Morgan since 2009 when we were both playing open mic nights in Modesto, California. At that time, he was a foreign exchange student in Manteca. Uh, and after that, he returned to France and has done a lot of things between then and now, uh, including converting to Christianity, getting married, and moving to Long Island. Correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, when Morgan and I met in 2009, there was no discussion of faith at all because he wasn't a Christian yet. And I was, for lack of a better way to put it, sort of a nominal Christian and not nearly as committed to my faith as I should have been. So imagine my surprise when all these years later, I began seeing R.C. Sproul and Tim Keller pop up on his social media posts. So after a bit of back and forth via social media, uh, I realized Morgan has a really interesting story and is an interesting person. And I thought it would be valuable to get a bit of that story here. So Morgan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's such a blessing to be here with you, to <clears throat> to catch up with you, and to to have this opportunity to talk um, between brothers in Christ. And I'm so honored to be on the podcast, of course. And uh, it's just such a pleasure to to talk through these uh, these amazing things together. Yeah, it's. I mean, we're going to talk about some heavy stuff, but I think it's nice to be able to do it in kind of a you know, it's a conversation, right? And that, that's. Uh, what we were Absolutely. talking about kind of before we came on, you know, like that we have language as such a gift to be able to, to and you, I mean, granted, uh, we have languages, I suppose, represented <laughs> here, um, but <laughs> all right. So I just kind of want to open up by asking you kind of how you came to Christ. Uh, granted, we've talked about that <laughs> through the Holy Spirit and all that, but you know. Amen. What is your specific right? Uh, what's the, yeah, of course. What's the story? Well, for me, it was um, uh, actually. I think September is like my the month where I became a Christian two years ago. Uh, there's not. I don't remember the specific date, but it was a very specific moment, and I remember that very vividly. Um, but before that, I um, like I, I briefly told you last week when we when we kind of caught up on the phone. I, I kind of I was brought up in a secular environment in the south of France, um, and while there was the the remnants of uh, the Catholic tradition there in the environment in which I grew up, I mean, I went to Catholic school, for example, and um, I went to a Jesuit uh, high school. So there were always I was always surrounded by you know church and um, Sort of like I said, the remnants of, of Catholic, uh, the Catholic faith, uh, but I didn't grow up. My family was not religious at all, um, so I sort of made my way through life as um, an agnostic, kind of um, using that as a label to not have to think so much about <laughs> these heavy things that we're about sure. to talk about, um, which was a very comfortable place, you know, for somebody uh, like me. Um, 
And, you know, when I think back on these days, I realized that probably I never really thought that there was not, you know, there was not a God out, out there. Um, I just didn't really want to think about it, I think. Mm -hmm. And I, I sort of thought, you know, one day something is going to happen and we'll be okay. You know, <laughs> these kind of really vague uh, ideas that are kind of, you know, they're really optimistic. I've always been a very optimistic kind of person, I think, even though I was very uh, melancholic at times throughout my life, like we all are. I mean, you know, we, we, yeah. all, we all have times of sadness and times of, of happiness. But um, I think I was always very optimistic about my afterlife future, in a way. Um, I think that's a big problem, actually, and we'll come back to that, I'm sure. But in any case, um, fast forward to about two and a half, three years ago, where I met my now wife and um, became really close to her and um, became really close friends over time. And I, I certainly had started to have feelings for her. And when I uh, kind of came forth with these feelings, um, she was, she was uh, very clear that for her to be, and she didn't talk about her feelings, but she just said, you know, for me, I couldn't be with somebody who's not a Christian. Sure. Um, and at the time I thought, my goodness, that is so close-minded. <laughs> that is, how could you say that to somebody? <laughs> yeah. Um, but in retrospect, I mean, what a courageous thing to do and what a strong thing to do when you're, um, when you're a believer, when you're a believer in Christ, when you know your Bible, when you know that you should be yoked with uh, somebody in Christ, right? Um, and so I, that the battle kind of started there. <laughs> sure. And yeah. I was, I just, you know, I bought my Bible, my first Bible uh, at that time, and I really started to dig deep, deep, sorry, dig deep in the faith and and uh, I did all the wrong things at first because I started Genesis 1 and not, <laughs> not having any kind of knowledge of how to read the Bible, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but just it, you make it harder for yourself if you don't yeah. have some kind of guide or uh, um, understanding of how, how the scriptures came to be and things like that. And the different um, kinds of books contained in the scriptures and all that sort of thing. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Um, but in any case, I, I really, I really uh, got into it and started to listen to things, uh, listen to sermons, listen to talks, listen to lectures, um, and started really asking myself um, the questions that, that, uh, that people who are really interested in God should ask themselves, uh, mm -hmm. who are interested in the world, who are interested in the universe, how things came to be, why things are the way they are. Um, and how does Christianity answer these questions? Um, and uh, through this kind of process, which took few, a few months, not, you know, maybe not, I think about four or five months, um, maybe four or three, three, four months, something like that. Um, but the light switch moment for me was a, uh, a lecture in which um, uh, Tim Keller actually was, uh, was talking about uh, Jesus, and he was just today. You know, in this talk, I was listening to it on the. It was not like a video; it was a. It was an audio talk, and in this talk, he's like, "Today, we're just gonna look at who is Jesus, what he claims, who he claims to be, and how that should influence the way that we look, both mm -hmm. at Christianity and we look at the world." 
And when I realized that Jesus actually says he is God, which throughout my years and years and years of going to church and working in churches, I had never figured out or I was never told or I don't want to you know, put the blame on the churches or anything like sure. that. But it was never something like I never realized fully. Wow. One human being is saying he is the divine, mm-hmm. you know, he is the divine incarnate, um, was both, um, you know, it was incredible. It was a shock, but it was a beautiful shock because it wasn't just realizing that it was realizing, um, that no matter what my opinion about it was, if what he says is true, in other words, if he really is God, um, then I, there's, you know, there's nothing else to do. I have to listen sure. to what he says. I have to obey what he says. He has a complete claim of, you know, on my life. And um, I remember just crying, 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 crying in my kitchen. <laughs> I must have been in my underwear cooking or something like that, something really silly. Um, but I was just, com- it was completely upside down for me that moment. I started to really understand what Christianity was about when I started to realize and to understand who Jesus is and who he says he is. Yeah. And I think something struck me when you were talking about your wife, uh, basically laying it out, right? This is important. This is the Mm -hmm. truth. And so if you even want to get a foot in the door, so to speak, (laughs) this is, you know, this is baseline. Right. And it's just, that's, and I think what you're showing too, the, the thing those things have in common is a commitment to truth, right? Where it's like, well, if this is true, then I don't care what I want. You know, the truth is what the truth is. And I got to do, I got to make my life line up with that truth rather than worrying about my own wants and desires. Because we know our own wants and desires are oftentimes terrible. Correct. And yes, absolutely. It's it's all about the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If there's no That's... truth, then there's no... There's no Christianity. It's all it's all based on what well, is true. There's no anything. True. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So... And we live in a dangerous age where people are starting to, <clears throat> you know, go away from thinking about things as true or not true. Yeah, um, there's no truth. There's only right. your opinion, right? Right. Which is, yeah. man, the most dangerous thing ever. It is. But and no I one think, lives like that. Right. Exactly. I was going to say, but I think it's like not, it's really easily refutable if you actually yeah. get down to it and have a conversation eye to eye with somebody instead of just yeah. like posting on Facebook that there's no yeah, truth or anything like that. Easy to speak in hypotheticals, but when you actually have to practice, as, you right. don't live your life as if the bus isn't there when it's coming right. towards you. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, all right, well, let's get into something a little bit different. And I was going to ask you, uh, what song is best? Yes, that's such a great question. It's a tricky question. As you know, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Um, I thought about it for a little bit, but I, I have to say I have kind of a gut reaction to it. And okay. um, my answer is not going to be maybe the answer my really thoughtful self would have wanted to okay. give you. Um, but I think it will still be hopefully very valuable. But it's... Um, it's a, it's a sort of, it's a hymn-like song, I should say. And I think the composer would describe it that way as well. Um, but for me and for now, I think that what song is best is uh, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Oh, man. And yeah. I, I, um, 
First of all, I think, you know, hymns are very important because they're very powerful. They're mm-hmm. beautiful, but they expose theology, right? They, yes. They are, they are supposed to tell you um, true things about Christianity, but also they're supposed to tell us very thoroughly what we should believe in, what the, the work of the Son, the love of the Father, you know, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and and the role of God as the Trinity Um and I, don't, I really don't know my hymns very well, obviously, but I, I had to record this hymn. Um, I mean, I call it a hymn-like song because, you know, the composer said that as well. And, and what I love about that song is that, um, man, the gospel couldn't be clearer in that yes. song. It's like, and it's from the perspective of like also what God the Father had to endure by putting his wrath on the sun, mm. which is not something we often think about, right? We, we often think about what it meant for Christ to, to, to suffer. And I'm not taking anything away from that at all by saying that. But my goodness, how much does it have to pain the Father yeah. to do that to Jesus, you know? I mean, whoo! It's just, it's unbelievable, um, the, the, the suffering, the pain that it must have caused. You know, if you think about it as like, I don't have a child or anything like that, but I would rather have to die instead of my child. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the fact that he has to turn away from that, you know, how deep the father's love for us. Um, it, it's such a beautiful, um, I'm forgetting the line now that I wanted to bring up, but um, it's it really shows us that from that perspective and it shows us um that Jesus died because of my sin you know it was my yeah. sin that held him there um and then it also shows us in the last verse that there is there's no works apart from the cross right. that have value right. right i will not boast in anything no gifts no power no wisdom but i will boast in Jesus Christ his death and resurrection and for me that's like poof it's great. Yeah. It's like I can go on a walk and this melody, which is so beautiful, such a beautiful melody, so um, easy to remember, actually, but still not um, overly simple and yet very beautiful and very poignant. Um, I'll find myself humming that on my way back home from a walk or something. And it's like, wow, I can, yeah, I I can think... hear the gospel again. It gets stuck in my head a lot, actually. It's funny that you mentioned that song. It's it, awesome. Because it is, like you're saying, it's not overly simple. And that B section correct. is really, really actually kind of complicated to sing. Correct, um, correct. And it's in 5-4, at least, too, I, I think. Like, the original is in 5-4. People do oh, it Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I never thought about that. In different things. but Or at least it, it does between 6-4 and 4-4, four, four, which is not always mm-hmm. uh, very sure. easy to, to, to play with. But, yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know if you knew that song, and it's I'm, yeah, I'm I love that song. It's funny you talking about like the dropping beats thing. Actually, this is kind of a tangent, but so I grew up uh, in the Church of Christ tradition, which I don't know if you're familiar with at all. But we I'm didn't not have instruments. Actually. Wow. So everything was acapella. Mm. Um, and so what's interesting about that is that uh, I would joke around with people who had experience in both worlds, the instrumental and the acapella world, and we would talk about how you never let rests go as long as they're actually supposed to when you're only singing acapella music in church because the congregation <laughs> just wants to keep plowing through. Absolutely. And so you just have to drop those beats. So I wonder how much of that odd timing goes back to, well, we just got to get the, <laughs> to the next verse. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah. But that's a beautiful song. That's a really, oh, really great song. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, what person who you've never met, and also outside of the Bible, has had the biggest impact on your spiritual life? Right. What a great question. Um, I think for me, it has to be Timothy Keller. Um, I mean, I talked about him because he was so instrumental in me um, realizing, <clears throat> you know, the the claims of Christ and and um, bringing me. I feel like uh, bringing me home. Um, but I I I attended Redeemer Presbyterian um, for a few months. Um, Last year, I think. I mean, it's it's far from Long Island, from where I am on Long Island, at least. So it's when you're when you have a busy schedule and you try to you, know, you have to rest, you try to rest on Sunday and things like that. It can be pretty um, difficult to drive like three hours uh, sure. to go to church, and it's you know it's pretty taxing. But man, what a great church to attend! And I, I um, he was very instrumental in 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 my spiritual life. Um, because I also listened to him give a lot of lectures outside of Redeemer. Um, yeah. He gave lectures at Veritas Forum, which I, I think are great. He is, um, he is um, very, um, he's very thoughtful, actually, I think. He, he, yeah. He's very intelligent, and so he, he doesn't dumb things down for people, but he makes them very, um, very approachable i mean he makes it very yeah sort of easy to understand but not diluted you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um and i read some of his books i read his book on marriage which was so great to get prepared to, to you know as a preparation for marriage um i think i read that last year um i read his book um on that he co-wrote actually with his wife kathy keller um on proverbs say he has a daily devotional um on the book of proverbs which is great, and it's full of amazing insights. Um, and so I, and my wife also uh, listens to sermons uh, of him all the time. Uh -huh. And when we listen to sermons together, or I start to hear it, it's like I cannot even tune out. I ha it's like my yeah. ear just goes to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he has a, he really has a way to, to bring out clarity in the Bible, Mm -hmm. And to bring it to Christ all the time. And yeah. it's like exactly what you should expect out of a pastor, right? Or even a theologian is like, explain to me what this means and bring it to Christ. Yeah. And I think that I don't know where this thought originated, but some I've heard it out in the world uh, that people who are really, really intelligent mm -hmm. have the ability to explain something very complicated mm -hmm. in a very simple way. Because Christianity is not simple. It, I mean, in some ways it is, but in other ways it's very complicated. You know, when you sure. start talking about the Trinity and how that works, it's like all these questions, right? Um, but yeah, I think that I, I understand what you're saying. He does make it approachable, right? These very complicated yeah. uh, topics. Yeah, he does. I really admire him very much. Um and of course, I mean it's a it's a close second would be John Piper because okay. um, I've also listened to him very much. I I asked I I looked um, not looked I listened to a lot of his Ask Pastor John it, episodes really that good. he has. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does he does very well. And I what I He's admire about, about everything, absolutely, it's just nuts. It's like if you go on the Desiring God webpage, yeah. man, you could be like it's like a thousand questions or something like that. It's unbelievable. Um, but I, I love and I, I admire his his love, like his obvious love of God. 
Yeah. Um, for me, it's like it inspires so much. So I'm very inspired by him too. And I would like to read more, more of him. Um, and I hope I will in the future. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't read it. Going back to Tim Keller real quick. Uh, I haven't read it, but I've heard really good things about his book on prayer. So I don't know. I read uh, that. Actually, yeah, I remember. Oh, man, it's outstanding. Yeah, I've heard it's really it's good. It's outstanding. Check that it out. totally transformed yeah. my prayer life, for sure. All right. Yeah, because prayer can be hard. Um, speaking of things that are hard, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the church today? Ah, wow. The biggest challenge facing the church. That's a really good question. Um, probably, I think it's <laughs> maybe like poor theology. Mm-hmm. Like um, um, poor theology, a poor a poor image of the church, or an image of the church that's n- not what the church should look like. And okay. you know, I'm thinking about people like Joel Osteen, for example, or people who are kind of bringing Christianity to light, but in a really backwards, upside down way. Yes. Right? It's like yeah. Some people just know Christianity because they know people like Joel Osteen. Sure. Um, and so I, I, f- I fear, I haven't experienced that. I haven't experienced that firsthand. I mean, in some ways, I have because I, I, I have been to churches where I, f- I thought, boy, this I really don't understand why they're teaching this, um, uh-huh. or I'm not sure, you know. So I feel like that's a challenge to raise people in the church who are really devoted to the truth of the word of God and the things that are hard to preach nowadays. Um, yes. And Tim Keller talks about that a little bit when he talks about, I mean, he talks about that now because everything is so political, but he talks about the things that are easy to preach in a conservative church, as opposed to the mm-hmm. things that are easy to preach in a liberal church. Yeah. And we need people who are able to preach all of these things. Yes. In whatever church they are. Um, and none of the, you know, none of the uh, prosperity gospel kind of thing, or um, none of the of the things that uh, that cloud or that take away from Christ crucified, right? I mean, yeah. And and sin, and um, even in the even in the churches where I feel wow, really at home in the message, I still feel like we're not talking about hell at all, right? Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I, it doesn't I feel good. Yeah, it doesn't feel good, and it's it's really hard to think about. Some of these things are really hard to think about, and and um, I don't like to think about them. But we we certainly have to. I mean, Jesus talks about hell quite a yep. bit, you know. Um, and so yeah, I I think we need to. Uh, the challenge is to raise leaders to. Um, to face all these issues in a way that's um, really devoted to truth, in a way that's fearless, because we're all really afraid of yes. of uh, carrying truth and 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 standing for truth and standing for the things that are really countercultural. Um, but these are the things that matter um, very much now, in my opinion. Um, so I think that that would be that would be what I think. Yeah. Yeah, I I that definitely resonates with me. I think it's I'm a very black and white sort of thinker most of the time. But I think that so I don't like the, to use the word balance too much, especially because <laughs> there should be truth and untruth, right? Yeah, but sure. I think that there does need to be found some sort of balance because, you know, growing up in church in the mid 
90s, right, we started to get this thing where it's a relationship, not a religion, right? And that's true. It's true that it is a relationship, but it's also a religion, and it is Correct. a religion based around a relationship with Christ. Correct. You don't get to pick and choose one without the other. It's Absolutely. they're together. So I think you're right that we that we need to engage both the emotional. Obviously, we're gonna have emotional reactions, and we're gonna be angry with God. And I think God's big enough to handle that and like to have a conversation. Um, but also to you know, okay, that's true. But also, what is true in the intellect, and it's pairing up those things. It's very difficult to get the the logos and the ethos together. I suppose. I agree. I agree. It's so you yeah. put it so well together. It's like two sides of the same coin, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the head and the heart, but they they both have to be aligned. You can't um, separate them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what do you put on your hot dogs? What a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a hot dog in such a long time. I don't think I could even tell you when was the last time I had a hot dog. Okay. Um, if you I had imagine... a hot dog in front of you, what condiment <laughs> would you like to have with it? Um, that's a really good question. Definitely, I would love to have pickles because I put pickles on everything. I love okay, pickles. So I would have pickles on it and I would have, I would probably have mustard, ketchup, pickles, and onions. Wow. Is that so too that's much? That's a lot of flavors together. <laughs> that's how I have my cheeseburger too, which I'm more of a okay. cheeseburger guy. But um, yeah, <laughs> that would be uh, my. Excuse me, being a boorish American for a second. Um, <laughs> you and you've lived in the United States for a while, on and off, I guess too. But in France, are they eating a lot of hot dogs? Not at I don't all. Don't mean to that's exoticize really, you, but right, that's really not a thing. Um, I think. Uh, I think there, there. I mean, such a thing could be found if you look sure. for it really hard enough. But it's no, not so so much. It's not. Is there a French not. equivalent to hot dogs? Um, I, I don't know, but I have a funny. I, I like to bring this kind of sandwich up because it's very funny, actually. Um, but when I was going to high school, I stopped going to the to cafeteria, and I my parents started giving me uh, pocket money to buy a lunch outside. So it was awesome. I could get out of school and I could go to these different small like uh, snack bars type of places. And there, something that was really popular when I was going to high school is a sandwich, which is amazing. It's a, it's a baguette. So you just imagine a baguette and you cut it in half. (laughs) You cut it in half long way and you open it and inside you put um, uh, beef patties, French fries and ketchup. (laughs) <laughs> and then that you sounds close really it. good. <laughs> but the funniest thing is the funny thing is what we call it in France. Do you know what do you want to guess what they call it? <laughs> I'm, I mean I would call that like a hamburger on bread. Right. I don't know. Uh in France it was called an American. <laughs> that's really funny. I mean it's really close. Right. That's really right. close, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, oh a hamburger meat with French fries inside a baguette with like that sounds ketchup really good. Or, or mustard or whatever you would put on that. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I would throw some Thousand Island dressing on that. Ooh, would, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, moving on to something a little heavier <laughs> than uh, food, now that everyone listening is hungry. Um, what do you think is the best argument against Christianity, and why do you not, why, do you not find, why are you not convinced by it? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I sort of wish you had asked me that question two years ago before I became a Christian. <laughs> I guess it would have been clear in my head, but I haven't been, yeah, I hadn't been thinking about that for a long time. 
so I, I sort of I have to go back to these days a little bit in in pondering these things, um, just because I don't I don't encounter them so so much nowadays right now, which is a shame and kind of an indicator that I should be much more um, forward in my conversations with people. <laughs> um, but I think that um, some of the things to that that I had a very hard time thinking about was that was the doctrine of hell and the existence mm -hmm. of hell. Um, so having to reconcile a, a God who loves us, but sends people to hell. Um, and I think a lot of people are um, struggle with that question. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and would use that as a, as an argument against Christianity in a way. Um, and the other thing would be, um, if God is loving and if God wants to save us, what do you do with people who haven't heard of Christ, right? What yeah. do you do with those people in islands who are not uh, evangelized to, or what do you do with people who have, you know, who are born in India or, or who are, who are born in civilizations where Christianity is not, is not more mainstream. Like it's not like part of the culture at all. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So what do you do with people like that? Um, And it's not a convincing argument because, um, I mean, I, I'll just briefly talk about this one. Um, it's not a convincing argument because, um, first of all, you have to understand what sin is to understand that we are all uh, doomed and deserving of hell. Yes. Um, and we, we all... That's another part of that coin, too, is like understanding sin and like using that as an argument against Christianity because people don't think that they're, they're right. sinners, right? And it's, it's we are... They often so think other people are. Correct. Right. Exactly. But they never, it's never, it's not my sin, it's other people's Co sin. Correct, correct. And man, it's just, a, it's just, it shows us what sin is and what it does to yeah. us because, man, how blind are we to our own faults? How, how blind are we to our own pasts? Um, it's easy for us to forget. You know, it's like, I remember, you know, uh, a long time ago, it's like you feel bad about something and you're, you're, you're like so upset about what you've done. And then a month later, it's like, it doesn't even matter anymore, right? Because so yeah. much time has passed and you don't think like it's a big deal anymore. But the world doesn't function that way, right? It's like... No. Uh, sin doesn't work that way. Um, so when you understand the the importance uh, and the, the the presence of sin in every single one of us, it answers the question of what do you do with people who haven't heard of Christ? Well, you know we all fall short of the of the glory and the grace of God. So we all are deserving of of His judgment. Um, but God, I mean, God has the power. To reach people who yes. haven't heard of Christianity, and that's a, it's a it's it's a fact, you know. Like people have dreams, people have visions. Even now, you know, people in in the Middle East and and people in different parts of the world, they're visited by by God, and they have a certain you know they might have a vision or they might have a. I know I, I I hesitate to use the word revelation, but they could have some kind of knowledge given. Well, by it God. starts with general revelation, right? Like exactly, and, and then it points you in that you're pointed the right direction anyway. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. And God can, you know, God judges you according to what He has revealed to you as well. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a huge part of that, and it's 
it doesn't really, you know, it can't, it can't really interfere with what we're talking about before, which is the truth of the gospel. It should just fuel us to get out there and, yeah. and evangelize people and really be instrumental in those, in those areas where, where people are not reached by, by the gospel. And thankfully today, you know, we have like uh, Wi-Fi and we have all these things, but there are places in the world like North, North Korea where they don't have Wi-Fi or they don't right. have access to it. And still there's a church there. Still yeah. there are people underground praising God and coming to Christ. Yeah, the gospel gets in there somehow, right? Exactly, which is a huge indicator that things, you know, are being spread out and that God is calling his people. Um, so that would be one, and that would be why it's not convincing to me. And the second the second one uh, about uh, um, a loving God uh, sending people to hell, um, it kind of goes hand in hand with 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 sin, with the idea of sin. Yeah. And, and, you know, God, you know, I remember Tim Keller having a lecture in Deuteronomy, actually. And he's saying, you know, God is is so good that he has to punish sin. Right. right. He is holy, right. so he cannot turn away from sin. Um, and if if you don't repent of your sins, and if you don't turn to Christ, if you don't ask for forgiveness, he, because of his nature, he's obligated Yep. to punish you and because he's an eternal being he's obliged to, to to punish you forever and it's man what a hard thing to think about right i remember having dreams of of my of my family because my family is not christian at all but i remember having dreams of what it might be like for them boy that's these are not the kind of dreams you want to be having sure uh, because it's traumatizing and it's it's like um you know People are, we, we are all so deceived because we, we put it, you know, we, we don't really want to think about it. We don't really think that it's actually the case. But, boy, when you take a really hard look at your life and uh, the things that you've done, and I mean, I'm talking personally for me, uh, when I look at my life and things that I've done, boy, do I need my sins to be erased, right? Boy, yeah. do I need forgiveness because, boy, do I deserve to be punished, Um but these are the most precious moments in our lives because they they bring us to our feet, you know, they bring us to our knees mm-hmm. in front of Christ. Um, and that's when we really hear the gospel afresh, when we realize, man, there's no way, absolutely no way I should be forgiven for this. It's right. terrible. I would have, I would have, if somebody else, if somebody else had done that for me, to me, uh, or if I had seen somebody else do that to somebody else, of course, I would have said you should do. Right. You should go to hell. Absolutely. Right. Um, but boy, do I not want to go there myself? <laughs> right. Well, there's no mercy without just. I mean, there's no justice without mercy. There's no mercy without justice. You can't. Correct. Again, this is these are things that go hand in hand. Right. Right. Um, right. On a happier note, maybe nah. That's all happy. Guess, <laughs> depending on your definition. When of you're in Christ, everything is. That's everything. right. It's at least joyful. Right. Um, uh, what do you think is the biggest strength in the church today? What a terrific question, um, because it's good to think about some of these things as well. Um, I think probably one of the biggest strengths in the church is our diversity and yeah. the fact that the church is such a diverse body, um, that you have such a strong uh, church in South Korea, in Iran, in South Africa, in Europe, in, in Peru, in, you know, everywhere it's like the most diverse religion in the world. 
Yeah. And I believe that it's, uh, I mean, especially in a country like the U.S., it's a strength to be such a diverse church um, because it's, it's countercultural, right? It's like it's mm-hmm. across all cultures. So um, it allows us to, to be very thorough in the way that we can be countercultural because it can be across different cultures. Um, and because we're across different cultures, we can address things that might not be easy to understand for some cultures. I mean, people, when they think about Christianity in countries like China or Japan, um, where their Eastern mindset is much more um, family-oriented than we are in the U.S., when we are more individualistic about mm-hmm. our lives. Um, what a blessing, what a, what a strength to, to be able to address these things across cultures, influence and encourage each other throughout cultures. Um, and I think it should be used more and more. And I think it will. I know it will, actually, because yeah. it's, it's such a beautiful thing. Uh, every uh, every tribe, tongue, and nation. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Correct. So I wanted to end uh, our conversation today by sharing a verse from Habakkuk with you. Wow. Um, uh, which, so I would like to give you a little bit of backstory on this. Um, last summer, my grandfather passed away. Wow. Um, and he was a, a very devout Christian man, uh, always had some sort of words of wisdom or whatever. Mm. Uh, and at his funeral, my uncle read what is his favorite verse. Uh, and it was just really, and everyone kind of chuckled, knowing my grandfather, he was kind of an eccentric guy, that it would be from a minor prophet like Habakkuk. Um, <laughs> so this is the verse. It's from, uh, it's Habakkuk three seventeen to 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. Wow. But what an encouraging, what an encouraging verse, a couple of verses. Yeah. And that was uh, for the choir master with strings. So that's a... Uh, oh, incredible. Yeah. Sung. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, that's incredible, actually, because, see, you can find so much encouragement in, in these verses. And um, when you have times that are so hard to understand, you can always know that this is the, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us <laughs> right. rejoice and be glad in it. Um, it doesn't matter what your experience. You can always, if you know, if you if you know the gospel, if you know the depth of your sin, you, you, the depth of your of your need, and that it has been done, and there's absolutely nothing that you can or should do to 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 be reunited with with God, which is in parentheses everything that we all desire most of all, no matter if yes. you understand it or not, is like. It's to be with God is like the ultimate thing that we all strive for and we all desire in the most innermost parts of our beings that we have access to that already. Wow, what a blessing. Yeah, I just, I, I love the verse because it, a couple verses, I guess, uh, yeah. because it just lists all these terrible things, right? It's just, <laughs> all right, I get it. Something bad's happening. Oh, and then this other bad thing is happening. Right, this exactly. This other bad thing is happening. It's and true. then almost as if it's a non sequitur, it's just like, 
and I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> it's right. like, it doesn't matter because it could have been a bunch of good things. And this is other places in scripture where it's, here's a bunch of good things that are happening and right. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. It's, it's not dependent on your situation. Exactly. How difficult it is for us to live that way, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Man, it's so, yeah, probably that's another challenge for us is to, is to be able to find that, that true and lasting sense of joy in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of um, difficult periods. Um, yeah. Which is why I think it's, it's like prayer is so vital to our Christian lives. And like daily at multiple times during the day, it doesn't have to be like an hour every time you pray, but um, it's like if you don't pray, you get stuck in your suffering. Yeah. You, you get stuck. In, you, you take it stuck. to God. Yeah, exactly. You remember the sovereignty of God and then poof. You just, everything yep. kind of lifts up much, much, much more easier, even when you're hurting. So yeah. thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah, no problem. You take it to God and you do, and you let him tell you what to do and you do what your part and he'll do his part. And Absolutely. granted it's all his part, but exactly. <laughs> the point is, uh, don't just sit around and pray, listen, and then do what exactly. he's calling you to do. Right. Exactly. And then repent and, you know, repent and believe the gospel is the main point. Yeah, um, amen. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciated the chat. Uh, I hope that it is edifying for those listening. Yeah, same here. It was such a, a huge pleasure and, of course, such an honor. Um, and it it's, comes at a time where we are becoming reunited brothers in Christ here. Yes. And so it's yes. even more special that we get to to talk and catch up and uh, and share each other's love for, for Jesus. Yes, it is that. Praise the Lord. Exactly. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Amen. Thanks, Morgan.